Welcome to the Too Bad Eugene podcast. I'm your host, Adam Nye. Let's talk Too Bad Eugene. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got such a fun show today. Uh, today, we are talking about Through the Window, uh, definitely a curveball of a song on our new record. Um, one of the biggest stylistic departures, I think, from um, our earlier work uh, back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Kind of a country song with the guitars turned up, so it's kind of a punk song. But uh, this episode uh, of the podcast also features my first guest interview with my wife, Rachel Nye. Rachel's voice can be heard throughout our new record, Distance. She sings backup vocals on a bunch of songs. I don't even know that I can remember. It'd probably be easier to think of the songs she doesn't sing uh, backup vocals on. But through the window, she uh, she shares lead vocals with me. Um, and this, this song is a special one uh, for both of us. Um, so I figured I would bring her on the podcast today to, uh, you're going to hear about um, her, uh, you know, musical background you're going to hear about uh, our life together as just kind of a musical couple the place music has had uh in our relationship since we were teenagers uh and you'll hear a bit of the of the life of this uh odd song through the window so here's a little piece of it uh before i bring rachel onto the show here is through the window Okay, we're live, baby. Welcome to the Too Bad Eugene podcast. Well, thank you. Hello. Uh, I I think this is your first time in our like opulent Too Bad Eugene podcast recording studio. <laughs> it's my first time in a podcast. <laughs> uh, that's a joke uh, for you at home. We're doing this in our living room, which is where uh, all of the podcasts <laughs> are recorded, where the album was recorded. Uh, so yeah, you got to have a front row seat to like... All that stuff. I did, yes. Took some pictures, I know. Uh, well, what I want to do... So, number one, first of all, congratulations on being my first guest on this podcast. <laughs> Why, thank you. I think that's a pretty big deal. Uh, there will be future guests, but uh, I think it's quite appropriate that uh, my Annie is the first appearance on the podcast. Oh, my goodness. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel very honored. And probably nobody knows my Annie anymore that I would understand why that is. You'd be surprised. The I, like the couple dozen people that are listening to this podcast, <laughs> they they a lot of them know that song. No, I don't mean the song. I mean the fact that my name is Rachel. So yeah, that's that's something we've explained many times. <laughs> so is this awkward? Like having like a regular conversation we would have be recorded? Yes, <laughs> it's very strange. All right. Well, what I wanted to start with is uh, letting the people listening at home get to know you a little bit, uh, especially when it comes to music. So did, did you grow up in a musical family? 
I did grow up in a musical family, yes. I, um, let's see, my dad plays music. Most of my siblings play one form or another of music, and um, I think all, I have six siblings, um, so that's a lot of music, and uh, I play the piano mainly, but I've played the trumpet for a while and would like to play other things. So yeah, we are very musical. Yes. So uh, we, we started dating when she was 14 years old and I was 15. Um, and I'd go over to their house a lot and they, you know, she and her sisters would pretty often like kind of gather around the piano and, you know, harmonize. Maybe that wasn't, I mean, I don't know how old Laura and Summer and Lizzie were, Oh, yeah. No, we did that always. When they yeah. were like little, they'd yeah, come always, yeah. learn harmony and stuff. So cool. It, uh, they would have like an old Methodist hymnal on the piano and playing through old hymns. Yes, we do harmonies. love the old hymns. That Absolutely. was super fun. Okay, so then maybe we, we should talk about the place of music in like us getting together as as teenagers. Yeah. Tell, Very tell instrumental. Yeah, so um, we, I mean, quote unquote, dated when we were 14, 15, although my parents, I was their oldest girl, so <laughs> dating wasn't really, you know, going out, but we went to youth group, and at youth group, um, I got to do this, the projection slides, that's how old that is. Yeah, on um, transparencies, yeah. and for the kids at home, that these were these like... They kind of looked like they were the dimensions of paper, but it was a piece of transparent plastic that would have the yeah. words of our songs printed on it, and and you'd put it on this machine that would project it up on this, a screen. Yep. Rachel managed our youth group's uh, collection of transparency slides. I did actually do that. That was my nice, awesome, boring job that I really enjoyed. Yes. And since we were both in the band and I sang, I would call you every week to find out what songs you wanted to do because our pastor asked you to lead the band. That's right. Yeah, we had like a standing phone date Yeah. every week. I, w- I was like the leader of the worship band. Um and uh, was this in the Dave Nallon or Paul Spurlock days? Or what, was it? So it was both? actually Jim. That oh, was, yeah. the Joslins. Mm-hmm. People at home don't know who these people are, no. probably, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We started when we were between youth pastors. Yes. Jim and Susie Joslin were yeah, volunteering, running the, the, the high school helpers. group. Yeah. That's fun. So yeah, we had this standing date. Uh, where, uh, yeah, she would call me or I would call her. You're saying you called me most Actually, of the time? Actually, I think you called me most of the time because the whole idea was that yeah. eventually you called me a different day. Yeah, let me set that up. All so, right. yeah, it was like, I forget what <laughs> night of the week, but it was like the same night. We had youth group, I forget, Tuesday or Wednesday yeah. night, and I would call Rachel the night before with the list of songs we would do the night, the next night at youth group, and she would pull them out and have them ready and bring them. Um, and then one day... I called her on not that night, <laughs> like a Saturday or something. Uh, so, yeah, there was no texting back then. Nobody had a cell phone. Their family had one telephone in their kitchen with a, like, 50-foot cord, something like that. Yeah. And she would take the phone down the hall to her bedroom. And, yeah, so that was kind of the big the big first moment of our relationship when I, when I called her not to tell her what slides it was going to be well, because usually we, I'd give you the slides and then we keep talking for a little bit. Absolutely. And so, yeah, one night I called just to talk and then that became regular. And and that is how we started dating. Yeah. And really dating. Yeah. As you said, it was pretty much just going to youth group. Yeah. Because we didn't I didn't have a car. Uh, you got a car later. Yeah. Know? Later on, we actually were dating. dating. I'd come <laughs> pick you up and stuff. But for the first, I don't know. 
for the first several months, yeah. it was pretty much just like maybe I'd ride my bike over on a weekend, but that was super far. I love that. That's very cute. Riding your bike to see me. Yeah. That's a long time ago. That was a very long time ago. We say all these things because now when we're in our 40s, looking back and our children are these ages, I think that's so funny to me how little kiddish it felt, but also how adult it felt. And now yeah. it's almost 30 years later and, you know, here yep. we are. And our, our, our son is the age we were when we got married. Our daughter is the age we were when we started dating. And that's all very freaky. Yes, but it does revolve around music. We are, we are a very musical family. That's true. That way. Actually, we are recording this right now, uh, so you at home know. We are recording, having just got home from church, where we, uh, both of us, Rachel and me, and our kids, and my dad, and our friend Carrie, were leading the worship music at our church, Faith Community Church Santa Cruz. That's something we still, uh, yeah, our relationship started in worship bands and something we still do to this day. Yes. And yeah. actually one of our favorite stories, even though that doesn't have anything to do with this, is when we were having our first son, Calvin, who is the amazing drummer in this mm. band, um, Adam would like to talk about like what he thought Calvin would play. And I would try and set him up for maybe he wouldn't play anything like, because I wanted to make sure there weren't unreal expectations that we were all right. going to be musical. Um, that didn't last very long. We bought him a drum set when he was two. So, you know. <laughs> and we have pictures of him playing those drums oh and, yeah and video oh yeah he was like two and he always has been very musical so yes. it uh it didn't it didn't uh it didn't stop him from being a musical person but i wanted to make sure that we didn't make our children be no, musical no yes. didn't, we didn't want to put uh you know expectations on them so they would have to live vicariously for us uh, yes, I, I was, it I was mean, wise that you do. were careful like that. <laughs> I get why you were, but I, I was devastated by the suggestion. Like what? <laughs> you he might not were. be musical. Yes. That is not okay. <laughs> not an option. Uh, and <laughs> it certainly is not the case for either of our kids that they are not musical. No. That's a lot of nuts. They are both very musical. Yes. And we actually get Calvin <laughs> every year for Christmas. He gets an interesting instrument. So yeah. he has quite a collection at this point. Yes, he does. Yeah. Okay, so I want to transition and talk about this song a little bit. Um, I'm going to, when we're done with the interview, at the end of the episode, I'm going to play like the original demo uh, we recorded for this, which is a very different style. Um, it, it's kind of country. But really, the uh, it, that was recorded, uh, I will look up when I actually pull it out. My guess is that was probably recorded about 2013 or 14 the kind of country version of it. Wow. But this song began in 2009. I'm fairly positive. Maybe 2008, but probably 2009. Um, we wrote this song, as, and, and I'm interested to see if you remember it the same. We, we like, uh, it wasn't like I wrote this, or part of the song and brought it to you. As I remember, we were just sitting together. Um, I think in our living room, we lived uh, at on campus at Monta Vista Christian School where I was teaching, and we were in a, um, a decision phase about maybe moving to Scotland. Um, I, I was doing a master's degree in theology very slowly. I was doing one class at a time for about six years, and um, this was the sixth year. We were coming up on uh, you know, being done, and I had the whole time been considering maybe doing a um, a PhD when I was done and sometime during the, like the fifth year. So yeah, this would have been 2007 or eight. 
I was I broached that topic with one of my professors that I really loved. His name was Ray Anderson. He was a professor at Fuller uh, Theological Seminary. Asked him about maybe doing a PhD with him. Like maybe I would move down to Pasadena and do a PhD at Fuller with him. And he responded, A, that he was retiring, uh, so he wouldn't be available to supervise a, a dissertation. B, I shouldn't go to Fuller <laughs> for my PhD. Uh, I don't know if that would get him in trouble for saying that publicly, but I doubt any of the Fuller administration is listening to this. Um, <laughs> and C, I should go to Scotland. And for the interests I had, work with this guy named John Webster, who I had not heard of, at the University of Aberdeen. And when I saw that email from him, I rolled my eyes and I came home from work. Rachel was like folding laundry, as I remember it, in our bedroom. And I said, hey, listen to this stupid email my idiot professor sent me <laughs> saying we should basically move to the moon. Uh, and your response? My response was, why not? Yeah. Probably helps to know that Rachel's maiden name is Campbell. <laughs> so she comes from a fairly Scottish family. Oh, yes. Very uh, Scottish, yeah. So the idea of moving to Scotland for a couple of years was not something she objected to. No. It actually sounded like an exciting adventure. Yeah, which it definitely was. And we found out on that adventure, uh, I mean, I already knew how lucky I was, but how rare it was for a wife to respond to the suggestion of moving to Scotland like that. Most of the other wives there, because uh, we, we got to meet several other families um, it, it really uh, grows some great relationships with some other families in Scotland. And most of the wives there were there under duress uh, or had had to have their arms twisted a little bit to get there. Uh, it's a hard move. Yeah. And a lot of them had little kids. Yeah. So, yeah. So this was, you know, you were excited about the idea. But once we started taking the idea seriously, it was a fairly daunting idea. Absolutely. Um, and so as, you know, in the midst of those conversations and thinking about the realities of actually moving our very young family, we had a, while we were thinking about this, probably a one-year-old and a four-year-old or five-year-old. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was an overwhelming thought. So this song came out of that. It was us talking. I had, I'm, as I remember it, a classical nylon string guitar in my hand while thinking about this and talking about it and i just started strumming some chords and uh the song you know i, I don't remember what how the contribution breakdown went but as i remember it, we kind of wrote it together you know that's so long ago i honestly don't remember myself but i attribute most of it to you because i'm not really that kind of a songwriter well i i i know the themes i feel like we were chatting about you know? yes i mean even if if i if i came up with most of it I didn't do it alone in my bedroom and show it to you. No. I was doing it like we were right there together. Yes, and you would sing feel... harmony. I'd be like, hey, what if I did this and then you did this? Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. then like, and like, what if you sang the second verse? Um, and yeah, it, it, it was a super fun um, songwriting experience. And it definitely was just something for the fun of it. There was no, I was in no band at the time. There was no idea that this was going to become a song the world would hear. It was a song for us to sing together right? while we thought about moving to Scotland. Yeah, it just came out of the time together, and you've always been a songwriter, so it was right. nice to see you writing something sort of in between bands because, yeah, we did have quite a, a, um, a pause for, you know, you being professionally a musician. Right. Um, well, 
because doing school and teaching and kids is tough. Well, I mean, one thing I will say is having done music together, our entire relationship, but then me being in bands, our entire relationship, those two streams had never crossed. No. I had never had you do anything in it with any of my bands. No. But we would do stuff. Strictly I mean, when at the table. We would go camping or we would be at home. I mean, we were always singing together and harmonizing together. And so when this song started to happen, I did have the immediate thought, if this song ever became something, if I ever had a band again, how cool would it be to do a song together in, you know, in yeah. one of my bands? But we were talking more about like a folk type of band, which is more right. what my voice is suited for. <laughs> and I'm definitely, although I like punk music, not a punk musician myself. Proudly so. <laughs> I, I, it would be odd if you aspired to punk music because your voice is uh, is is beautiful and uh yeah i i don't know that i would i don't know that it would no, you work can say it it is to... not a, a, i do not have a punk voice and i'm very proud of that I you don't harmonize think... well i mean your voice is all over this record you harmonize with me on a bunch of songs you yeah. and mercy uh and katie i don't uh, think uh, yeah i i'm 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 a little picky about girls and punk bands in general right. so and i definitely don't think that i fit that profile i like the table uh the merch table i'm gonna sit back there and and um, yes and be part of your band from something from we're afar. throwing in yeah rachel has worked <laughs> the merch table for like every band i've ever been in including on the road when we first got married i was in craig's brother um and we hit the road the summer of 1998 and oh, uh, yeah. the whole summer, Rachel. Two days after our honeymoon, that, we went on tour. Yeah, that's right. We came home <laughs> from our honeymoon. Our place we were going to live in wasn't quite ready, so we slept on my parents' couch for a couple nights. Yes. And then we hit the road. We with, we spent that whole summer, our first summer with of four marriage, other men in a smelly van, a van. with smelly yeah. guys <laughs> in a van. That was... You're a trooper. Scotland, <laughs> the touring uh, uh, in the 90s. The only thing I, I miss about that touring days is we didn't have smartphones. So right. we don't have a lot of photos from that time or videos. It's um, remarkably undocumented. It is. There's not that many pictures. Yeah. Of we have some. 98, but... 99. But none the of nobody tours, was too bad Eugene tours. And nobody was really a photographer, including myself. No. And I didn't think about it until, you know, because when you're 20, you don't think, well, at the time I was literally 19, I think. Um, so I didn't think, you know, you don't think about the future. You don't think no. about memories you need to make that way in the same way that people do now because it's so easy to make a memory. But for those of you who are our age and older, you of course know that feeling of like, oh, you had to pull out a map to make sure you got somewhere, <laughs> which we were always getting lost. And you just don't have the same, um, you know, written down memories, I guess, mm. um, which is kind of a shame because that was a whole long I mean, there's a lot of fun stories from those times. There are. It's hard to remember a lot of them. There so are, they come yeah. back to me at like weird times. I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember this experience from the road. The funny thing, too, was, you know, uh, we do have a few pictures of like um, uh, like laundromats and oh, restaurants yeah. and that kind of thing. But the like us playing slash. live, you never liked getting up on no. stage oh. and getting where anybody would see you. Nope. So our, the, the, um, the tour we did in 99 with MXPX and uh, 22 Jacks and No Motive, they brought a professional photographer yeah. um, who was there. Uh, I forget his name, but he was a nice guy. Um, and he, he took pictures every night of the tour and a couple of times came up on stage we have a couple that i love from when we played chicago yeah. um oh it's gonna kill me i can't remember the name of that club the metro 
We played the Metro in Chicago, and he got some killer. And we still have those. Those exist on Facebook. And so, anyway. They do, yes. Kind of gotten off topic there, but that's <laughs> those are fun fun memories. And I do love that we share those memories. So that's all stuff we did together. Uh, yes. Um, okay. So kind of coming back to the song. The themes of the song, written from the perspective of are we going to go to Scotland or not, and knowing we probably were. But I wasn't positive, but I knew... I knew our live story was a had to, it, the the chapter was about to change. I didn't know whether it was going to be Scotland or no, but that's kind of the substance of the song, right? I look through the window out of, you know, upon the coming years, and I don't know where we'll go, but I know we can't stay here. And then the whole rest of the song is just reflecting on the fear of really not knowing what's in front of us, but the strength and comfort found knowing that we're going to do it together. We're going to hold hands and step into the scary, and here we go, is basically what that that song is. So, I yeah, as soon as we were having that song, I was like, yeah, maybe someday we could do this together. But then the song, w- when we moved to Scotland, I brought, I remember that nylon string guitar. I don't think I brought it. Maybe you got one for me on FreeCycle. I had a guitar at that house, and there's no way we would have shipped it. Um so I, I remember singing the song in Scotland at our, we had two different flats uh, in Aberdeen um, and like second year when now the thoughts are, it, you know, it, it, my program was a two year minimum residency. Uh, three years were typical, but we were going through money so fast and we had so little of it. We were like, we're going to do two years. So our second year was like, all right, now what, where do we go? Do we go back to Santa Cruz do I find a job um, somewhere else? We really didn't know. So that's what the song became about then. Hmm. It, be, kind of, it became about what's, what's after Scotland. Right. And then when we came home from Scotland, um, I took a job uh, at a church. You got a job there too. Um, and things got rocky pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, pretty quickly. A year maybe in, we knew that th- this was a turbulent thing. And we weren't sure how that was going to go. Are right. we going to work through the trouble in this place? Or is God sending us somewhere else out of there? And that was a terrifying prospect for me at the time. Because, you know, it had just been transition after transition. And I was looking for something to finally be stable. Hmm. So, again, we would play this song. And then we, and we made the first recording of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, just a demo. But, you know, yeah, I was stretching my wings musically. I'm like... Hey, what about, what about country? Which is funny. Cause even at that time, if you would have asked me what kind of music I like at any point in my life prior to my forties, I would have listed, you know, a, a range of genres, but it definitely would have excluded country. It still excludes country for me. Yes. So Rachel never I, converted. And I, I'm not a country person. No. I mean, I like folk music and I, and I get a little close with like, Chris Stapleton's about as far as I'm going. The Waylon Jennies, <laughs> uh, who who I want to maybe say at the time was what we had discovered that was making us kind of happy about. I'd say that's that's still folk folk Americana. Music. Yeah, I mean, I so one thing I had been discovering in my, probably my early to mid 30s was that while I would have said I did not like country, a ton of my favorite music, um, like Bad Religion, for instance most of my favorite bad religion songs were the ones where they cut the closest to country. 
Yeah. Man with a mission. You also uh, have a, a family like background where your yeah. dad actually does enjoy country music. Your mom is, you know, from Oklahoma and th- like there's country music in your family. That's true. There was not in my family like whatsoever. That's true. Um, there, I, there was folk. And the oh, lines yeah. between folk and country are, I will argue, fairly artificial. They're artificial until you get into what kind of country we're talking about. Agreed. So if you're talking about Nashville or even right. Austin, or, you know, I'm like, there's things that I feel like you can say are in between, and I definitely enjoy those. I mean, there's stuff that I think is fun. Like, I think Dolly Parton's fun. Right. I, but I'm not, I don't listen to these things, you know, on a, on a, a weekly basis. Fair enough. And, and there were things that were always sticking points between us, like social distortion. Yeah. Rachel never could stand. I just, it's social his voice. It's, I'm sorry, Mike. It's just, you know, your voice, it's not for me. I, to me, Mike Ness is, uh, he, he is a treasure because his voice <laughs> is, I think it has to be admitted, fairly limited. Um, he can't, and, but that's true for me with other, like, I will say that about Tom Petty. I think Tom Petty has a fairly limited voice. He can't do much well, but when he, when he writes a song specifically for his voice to do what it does well, it is a magical thing. And I think it's the same. I think that's true. And I think that you could say that about social distortion because you enjoy that. I think it's okay to just put bands and categories where you're like, I just don't personally like that because I like plenty of bands where the singer has a terrible voice. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> including folk singers like that. Uh, I'd say even Dire Straits is one that I would put in there where I'm like, I think his uh, voice very often it's that sort of talky Mark voice. Knuffler. I know. Yeah. But his, I, his guitar playing makes up for his, his bad voice. It absolutely does. But um, you're right. He's not a great so. voice. Uh, who am I thinking of? Yusuf... Uh, Cat, Stevens. Cat Stevens. I love Cat Stevens. Yes, you do. Again, Dire Straits and Cat Stevens. My dad, I grew up with those in my house. That's helpful. So my dad yeah. had those in the house, and that reminds me of my dad and and just the music that was around. So my dad was off in Vietnam uh, when the when that kind of stuff was hitting the yes, airwaves. Yes, he did. So and he, so his my dad's musical, um, his gathering of of you know musical favorites hits a hard stop. In like, uh, what, did you, what would you say it is? 1967, 68? I'm not exactly I'd sure I'd say maybe he went even to... 69, he would get up to 69 and, yeah. then, and then stop. And that's where my dad started because that's where yes. my dad graduated high school in 69. So it's kind of hilarious that our dads like don't mix at all, but right. they both have filled in all of our music. Right. So that between the two of us, we've gotten to know each other's music from our families and basically covered everything all the way up, which is really fun. That's right. Um, but I will say that I think going back to the song in general is... Um, the reason why you wrote this specifically for us and the reason why it's worked in all of our different seasons is it's about being together mm. no matter what the season we're going through. And, um, we've always talked about the fact that it's a gypsy life for us that yes. we don't, we don't, um, we worry about the future, but we're, we're pretty comfortable with, um, the fact that it always does change. Mm. Um, and I think also because we're teachers and we have seasons of things that come and go, um, but also because we're not tied to those things. And I think that song, as we've gone on since you wrote it, it's been kind of neat to see that it changes with us yeah. and that it's one of our daughter's favorite songs. Like she sings it and about us and she yes. has talked about how much it means to her to hear us sing together. Something that's strong for us um, really helps her. And I think that's wonderful too. Yes. No. Uh, yeah. It, it is. Uh, 
when the like the energy for a new Too Bad Eugene record was going to happen. It was like, okay, this is happening. I'm starting to uh, accumulate songs. I've been talking about the place of non grata and distance and, and it, early on in the process of thinking about a new record. This song came up pretty early, and I remember it was Mercy who was like, "Yes, you like you, you have to do that." And I remember you were kind of skeptical. You're like, "Really? You're going to put that song on a Too Bad Eugene record?" <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think so. And so we made a, a demo of a punk version of it. Um, and so just to come back to Social Distortion again, I don't think I had realized the influence of, I, I, don't, I don't know that you're familiar with the Social Distortion song, 99 to Life. Um, any, any, like, anybody who knows that era of Social Distortion, uh, that's the late 80s. I mean, I'm sure I've heard it because you do play Social Distortion. Yes, but, um, but they have a song, it, 99 to Life, that is like the, it, it's basically the feel of this song. Um, I, when we were rehearsing for the album, um, we were playing we were playing this song, this instrumentally, over at my parents' house where we rehearse, and their neighbor, whose son, uh, David is a lifelong friend of mine that we had a band together back in high school. We were the, uh, gosh, I had like three different, we started in junior high as the flying dogs. <laughs> and then in high school we became yellow snow and then, uh, came up with a better name, the defects. Anyway, uh, and I was at that merch table too. Yes. Yes, you were long time ago. He was over at his mom's house while we were rehearsing this song. Uh, and he ran down the hill and he's like, Hey, <laughs> that's, you guys are ripping off social distortion. And I was like, yep, we sure are. <laughs> and I didn't really know that we were until we made like the punk demo. Uh, cause I think when we're done here in just a couple minutes, I'll play for the audience, the, the original sort of country version of it. And it's not as obvious. Uh, I do think there probably was a little bit of a social distortion influence on the original, but I wasn't aware of it. Um, but when made up uh, sort of the punk version and, and kind of had to change the riff a little bit to match the punk energy, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like very much 99 to life. But, uh, you know, it, sometimes, you know, you are skating pretty close to an influence and almost ripping it off. And sometimes I just am like, I'm going to embrace it because I love that band. I love that song. Well, it uh, becomes an homage rather yes, than yes. ripping off. You're really saying something that you just really love about something. So yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it, it, it has been a fun thing to see this song, which was just sort of an us song. Yeah, become the song where we, you know, our life of making music together and singing together got to be like released to the public. Uh, we have talked for years about further ideas of kind of doing a folk duo thing. Right. Not a dream I've given up on at all. Uh, <laughs> still love the idea of doing that, uh, especially because there's so much less setup for a folk gig. If we could just pull up to the club with a guitar and the two of us, that sounds way less work. <laughs> I don't know. So I'd be interested to hear how many people want that. A uh, Adam and Rachel kind of Americana folk duo album tour whatever we'll see how things go um but with that i think we've covered everything i wanted to talk about awesome did you have anything else anything else you felt like would be appropriate no i think we've gone through like our entire history here so <laughs> everybody gets to know all about our life and through that song which is kind of fun i i definitely agree thank you baby for being on my podcast for being my first guest 
Here for you at home is the original kind of country version of Through the Window. Thank you. 